Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. True success. We all like to succeed. Of course we do. But what is success? So let me um, read Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. If you find success like this, and I'm quoting now, the gaining of wealth, fame, and rank. The gaining of wealth, fame, and rank. That's not too cool. I don't like that. Here's one that's a little better. A favorable outcome or result. That's a little better, but I don't think Jesus would agree with either of those. And so I want to um, look at the Bible's definition of success, and this is in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, talking about the mother of James and John, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, Matthew 20, 20, came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, she asked a favor of him. What is it you want, Jesus said. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit one at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Well, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to her, or to them. Now he's talking to the boys. Their mother asked the question, but now he's talking to the two sons. He said, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand and left hand, that's not for me. Those places are determined by my father. So let's stop there. This... um, Mother of James and John comes and makes this this request. I want want my two kids to be number one and two in your kingdom. And you wonder why she makes this request. Well, she's a mom, and this is a family. (laughs) And you got Zebedee the dad, you got the mom, you got two boys, James and John. And Bible commentaries say the, the, the two boys probably put the mom up to this. Well, that's what the commentaries say. You know, I look at this and I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure because James and John were chosen disciples of Jesus. And they were itinerant. I mean, they would go from city to city and city and preach and teach with Jesus. And once in a while, they'd get to go home and eat dinner with mom and dad. And so James and John were sitting around the dinner table on one of these infrequent breaks. And um, the mom says during dinner, you boys made a lot of sacrifices to follow Jesus. When he sets up his kingdom, don't you think you should be one and two in that kingdom? And I kind of think the boy said, mom, it's not about who's first. And maybe mom said, well, I think you should have the two top positions. And she looks at her husband and says, don't you, dear? And guys, when your wife puts her hands on her hips and looks in the eye and says, don't you, dear, and says, don't you, dear, what are you going to do? And um, what was this kingdom anyway, where her two boys would be one and two? Well, the Jews believed their Messiah would set up a kingdom in Jerusalem and rule the earth from there, and that's clearly taught in Scripture, but that's part of what we call eschatology or end-time theology, and that's going to happen in the millennial kingdom. But anyway, Jesus chose these disciples, and obviously, Mom said, he's preparing them to rule in his kingdom Yeah, and I just want to make sure my two boys don't get shortchanged because they made big deal sacrifices. See, the the family of Zebedee, they they were a fishing family. They were all fishermen. And Dad Zebedee trained his two boys to take over that fishing business one day, and he really depended on these guys. And one day Jesus comes by and calls them and says, follow me. And the Bible says they left their dad in the boat 
mending the fishing nets. They follow Jesus. And so this mom says, hey, they, they, these kids of mine left their dad in the boat. I mean, they made a tremendous sacrifice to follow you, so they should be one and two. Now Jesus looks right at the boys, and he says, you don't know what you're asking. And he says, can you drink the same cup I'll drink? The cup is the cup of suffering. He said, are you ready to suffer with me? And they said, we are. And Jesus said, you will. And now the other 10 disciples hear this conversation. They get, they, they get really ticked off. I mean, they get indignant, the word of God says. We'll finish the story in a couple of minutes, but uh, let's think about how some people view position or, or view success. And we see it in this word of God. A bunch of people view, view success as position or rank or advancing up the ladder, see, to rise above others. And what does position give you? I mean, you ride, you, you go up the ranks. I mean, what does it give? It gives you more responsibility, and that's a good thing. Maybe it gives you a bigger challenge. I think that's a good thing, too. Uh, maybe it gives you more money. That's not a bad thing. And maybe going up the ladder gives you um, more control. Now, if you come from a biblical point of view and a biblical perspective, more control isn't bad. Otherwise, it is. And probably a lot more work, okay? And James and John wanted her kids to be on Jesus' right and left. Position was everything to her, see? And Jesus said, can you guys um, drink my cup? See, position isn't always success. Position with God comes from drinking the cup that Jesus would drink. As I'm getting ahead of the story now, but if you go to verse 28 of Matthew chapter 20, the word of God says this, the son of God came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And now you're getting at the real meaning of success. And so success could be drinking the cup. Success is not necessarily rising up the ranks, okay? And for some people, um, success is purely financial and a comfortable, secure life. You know how many people say our kids have degrees, they have good jobs, they're climbing the ladder. Listen, do you really believe that's success? They're climbing the ladder. I talk to so many people. My kids are successful. We send them to college, they have degrees, they have good jobs. Maybe that is success by the world standards, but what if they don't care two hoots about Jesus Christ? I mean, where are they going to spend their eternity? I heard this on the radio, and I heard it from David Jeremiah, a great Bible teacher. He talked about young William Borden. He was the heir to the Borden Dairy Fortune. And William Borden went to business college, you know, ready to go into the Borden Dairy business and, and take it over. And then he hooked up with a couple of Christian guys, and, and that was it. I mean, he came home and he told his dad, he said, um, I'm going to China to be a missionary. And his dad, Mr. Borden, I'm talking about Elsie the Cow Borden, said, um, <laughs> I mean, he said, he said, what do you mean you're going to China to be a missionary? He said, he said do, do you know what you're giving up? I'm going to have to disinherit you. And young William Borden did go to China and did get disinherited. And while he was in China, he got very sick. And six months later, he died. But for six months, man, he made an impact. He taught the Word of God. He, um, he ministered to people who were starving for truth. He led a great number of people to believe in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And after his death, somebody found this note in his drawer on his desk. The note simply said, no turning back and no regrets. No turning back and no regrets. And his dad thought, what a loss. What a loss. He could have stayed here. He could have had the world by the tail. His dad knew nothing about real success. Some people think success is financial. I've told this story a bunch of times, and you're going to remember this story, but one of the saddest conversations I ever had was with a lady in her mid-40s told me this story, and this is why I related, I related to it. She said she and her husband had nothing when they began. And um, she, she and he would go for walks 
long walks in the evening and hold hands, and she said they'd come back, and he'd wrestle her down to the floor, and he'd tickle her, and they'd roll all over the floor, and they'd laugh and have so much fun. And she said, now he's big deal in this company, and he's got all this money, we got all this money, he's climbing up and up and up, and we have all this stuff, I have more than I'll ever need, more than I could ever spend. And she said, I would give it all away to go back to those days, and we used to go for walks and hold hands and roll all over the floor, and he'd tickle me and we'd laugh. See, success is not purely financial. See, what Jesus was saying to this mama of James and John is success isn't necessarily position, control, security in a tough economy. All that has very little to do with success. And so this mother made her request. She didn't have a very good understanding of success, that her boys be one and two in the kingdom. And then the other disciples got really upset with this. In verse 24 of Matthew 20, it says they became indignant. Let me read that to you. Verse 24, when the other ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And so Jesus called them together and he said, so now he's got to have a little convocation of his ten disciples because these guys were saying, I mean, they heard that request. Some of those disciples said, hey, why should they be wanting to? We made sacrifices. If anybody's going to be wanting to, we deserve to be wanting to in that kingdom. And so he sits these guys down. And he gives the true perspective on success. And he says in verse 25 of Matthew 20, and so Jesus kind of, he, he, wanted, to give, he wanted to give these disciples a true picture of success. And he said, um, you don't know, or, or you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, meaning the subjects they rule. Okay, let me read this again. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over their subjects, and the high officials, I mean those people who are successful by the world standards, exercise authority over them. Now these all-important words, not so with you. Not so with you. And then this, I've got this circled. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That flies in the face of modern thinking. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, success, must be lower than a servant, must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, and he used himself as the example, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the Lord says, these Gentiles, the Gentiles, and these are the pagans, these are the people of no faith, these are the ones who think like the world. They lord it over. I like those words. They lord it over the people they rule. To lord it over means you make a big deal out of yourself. You make yourself to be more important than you really are. You want people to make a big deal out of you. They serve you. And then Jesus said these all-important words that I have marked, underlined, double underlined, not so you. The three words in the Greek language, not so you, three words. I don't want you to think about success or anything like the rest of the world. I want you guys to see success um, like I see success. If you want to be great, if you want to be really great, Jesus said, learn to serve and then you will be great with God. If you want to be first, and we're talking about success, he said, learn to think not only like a servant, he took it a step lower. The Greek word is doulos. That's the guy who does the dirty work. He said, I want you to think like a slave. Think like somebody who's told to do the dirty work that nobody else wants to do and they do it and then you will be a success. That doesn't work in today's world, does it? Jesus said that, not me. Now, I want to apply this word of God to our faith and our life today. And the first thing that came to mind as I read and studied this word of God is God doesn't think like us. 
God doesn't think like us at all. He's totally different than us because our, a lot of our, our, our idea of success is shaped by the culture, isn't it? And then I got to go back to our memory word passage for today, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, where the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are my ways your ways. Let me say that again. God says this. This is inspired by the Spirit of God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I want to tell you, I just got a personal example here. There was a day early in my ministry when I thought, um, you know, success, success in ministry is big numbers, man. The bigger your church, the more successful you are. The more buildings you build, you know, the, the more successful you are. So I was in Youngstown, Ohio, man, we built this big church, had 30 members, started with, grew up to 700, started planting this brand new church, built a building within one year, within one year, had 60 or 70 people in that church. And that, so I had the two churches, buildings, the whole bit, man, we were smoking. And so then I decided to come to Peace Lutheran Church in Youngstown, here in Michigan, and I said, man, I was proud. I said, I'm going to show these people how to do church and do it right. <laughs> I got to show these people how to do church. And um, I drove up here in my little orange Vega to show you how far back in time that is. And in my first few years there, I encountered people in circumstances that I had never encountered in my life. Stuff that I just couldn't deal with, man. And God started to take me apart bit by bit by bit by bit, I'll tell you. And then I thought about David who built this great, great, great kingdom. And I remember the day I read Psalm 51, 17. But David built this great, great, great kingdom for God and in Psalm 51, 17. David wrote this, and I related to this. The book by Charles Stanley directed me to this, where David wrote in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices acceptable to God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And God was saying to David, David, you've won great battles, you've built a great kingdom, but now you're a success. Now you're a success. That's where God wants us. He wants us broken before him. And I thought to myself, that's real success. God doesn't think like us. He just doesn't think like us. That's success. A broken and a contrite heart, oh Lord, that's what you will not despise. That's where God wants us. And I thought to myself, isn't it great to know that God cares more about you and about your character and the depth of your relationship to him than he cares about all the stuff you can do for him and all the great things you do for God. He cares more about your relationship to him. See, God doesn't care about your numbers, folks. I learned that. And numbers so often spell success, financial numbers, people numbers, all that stuff, how many people you supervise. God doesn't care about that. He cares about the quality of your relationship to him. He doesn't care about your, uh, about your position, how many people you're boss over. But he does care that when you see a need and serve that person and meet that need and know when you serve that person, you're serving him. That's greatness. That's success. See, God does not think like us just thinks differently. So what we want to do now is look at the Bible's view of success. And I, I hope your mind kind of changes a bit because the most successful thing we can do is to become like God's Son, Jesus Christ. Please hear me. The closer we get to Christ-likeness, the more successful we are. The closer you get to Christ-likeness, the more successful you and me are. And folks, this is a way we have to think. You've got to think like this. You've got to look at your life. You get these little victories in your life over sin. And we need to say, this is so sweet, man. This little victory over sin, man. This is so sweet. This beats anything else. 
And when you can say that, you are, you, you are at least approaching, you are approaching real success. Here's this guy who had great numbers, Paul the Apostle. Everywhere he went, everything he touched turned to gold, built, built bustling, hustling, bustling churches. But let me tell you what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, and this is verse 12. He's talking about achieving Christ-likeness. Not that I've already obtained all this, meaning Christ-likeness, or have already been made perfect like Christ. And here's this great phrase, but I press on. I love that. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, meaning Christ-likeness, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining, there's a great word, straining for what's ahead, I press on. There's that word again. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. And the goal, of course, is being like Jesus Christ. You know, that is so real. I relate to this so much because I'm always striving to be like Christ. That's constantly before me. And I fail a lot, and so do you. But we keep putting that behind us. What did Paul say? I forget what's behind me, and I keep pressing on, man. We say, okay, I failed, but that's history. And so we keep pressing on, pressing on, pressing on. And see, when you can look at your life and say, this is where I was. And this is where I am now, spiritually. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care what your position is. That's success. If you've diminished spiritually, you've lost it, man. You've lost it. You're not successful, see? I, I mean, look at it this way. Let's say somebody would irritate you. And you got irritated, man. Your voice, your face, your body language, your harsh answers, all, harsh answers all said, I'm irritated. You're annoying me. Get out of my way, see? But now you've drawn on the inner power of the Holy Spirit living in you, and now you control it, and somebody irritates you, and you don't have to raise every issue that irritates you, see? Now you control it. See, that, that ladies and gentlemen, that's a little deal, but it's success. That's success. I mean, you're winning some victories. I mean, you need to write the, pay, you need to write the message here. This, I, but, but when I think, when I think of what I could do, could have done, in a certain circumstance, when I think of what I could have said, but I didn't. I did God's will. I got to look at my life and I have to say, that is sweet, man. That's victory. That is success to God, to the Word of God. A besetting sin, and that's King James language, a besetting sin is one you keep giving into, but you see yourself giving in less and less and less. That's success. You're taking these sins and you're, you're confessing them before God and you're claiming the shed blood of Jesus Christ and, and you're saying to the Father, Lord, I can't fight this sin. And um, you, you, you're going to God for strength through the Holy Spirit and you keep falling, but you keep getting up and you keep pressing on and you keep pressing on and you never give up. You strive, you press on and you're moving toward Christ-likeness and you are getting better. Man, that turns my crank. Well, that, that really lights my fire when I see growth in myself, and I, I call that real, real success. Listen, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's what you regard as success. It's how you think about success. Position is not success. Financial is not success to God. It's not. 
Jesus said to his disciples, James John, you want to be one and two because you left your daddy in a boat mending his fishing nets and you think you made all these sacrifices. And the rest of you guys are getting all upset because you think you sacrificed so much. Well, I want to tell you guys, Jesus said, that's what life is all about. It's all about sacrifice. Even your life, if that's what God calls you to do, see? I mean, there are people who want to get to a point where you can tell your boss, I don't need this job. I'll work when I want to work and I'll play when I want to play. There's people like that. I got to tell you, that is the sick, sick, pagan, Gentile philosophy of life. I want to get to a point where I can say to my boss, I don't need this job, man. I'll play when I want to play, and I'll work when I want to work. That's about the most ungodly of attitudes. So much so that Jesus said this in response to that attitude. He said, not so you. Not so you. Not so you. But would whoever would be great among you, let him become a servant and lower than a servant. Let him become a slave and be willing to do all the dirty work. Know what Jesus did a short time later? He did what a slave did. He demonstrated what it means to be a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. See, true success is that. It's moving toward that kind of Christ-likeness. That's real success, folks. One of the really good Christian authors is a guy named A.W. Tozer. I have his daily devotions, and he had a week of devotions on... Um, this is A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R. He had a, a week of devotions on, on success and leadership. And he had some pretty good principles here. I just want to bring a couple of them home. Let's think about this. These, are, these run so hand-in-hand hand with Matthew 20. Here's the first thing. We're not worthy of success until we're willing to fail. We're not worthy of success until we're willing to fail. See, when you fail, what do you do? You learn. I mean, you, you narrow down your options. You discover what works and what doesn't work. And when you fail, you're letting God lead you because he may want to teach you through failure. You're learning dependence. And you haven't achieved your goal yet because you failed, so that means you're on God's timetable, and that's good. See, but here's the big deal. Failure doesn't destroy you because you have a vision that God put in your heart, and you may fail a few steps along the way. But man, you don't give up, see? That vision is still burning in you. But God's narrowing down your options. You're learning to depend on him. So you've got to ask yourself, what have you given up on, on and said it's not worth the hassle? Here's a second point that A.W. Tozer said, um, be willing to give your honor to another. I like that. Be willing to give your honor to another. When you don't care in any endeavor, who gets the glory? You are beginning to achieve success. Let me say that again. When you don't care in any endeavor, who gets the glory? You're getting close to success. Last success point, and I heard this from Christian leadership teacher John Maxwell, and I, I heard this, and it kind of changed the way I think. Because he said, you can't be a success in the other realms of your life until you're a success in your family. You cannot be a success in the business world. You can't be a success here, there, and everywhere else unless you are a success with your family first. And then I thought to myself, that is so simple, it's profound. Isn't that something? That's so simple, it's profound. If my wife or your wife or your husband, ladies, or your children and your grandchildren respect and love you because they see integrity in you, and what's integrity? Integrity is what you profess, what you believe, you live. They see it lived out. You profess it and you live it out. If they see that integrity in you, if they see you standing 
for what you profess to believe. And you're standing for that, and that's what this whole next sermon series is about, and we're going to talk about that next week. Why stand? If they see you standing for what you believe, and if they see you with the servant's heart, serving them, meeting their needs, your family will respect you. And that is success. And until you have success there, I don't care what's your job, I don't care how much money you're making, I I don't care about anything else. If you are not a success there first, it's all. It means nothing. Somebody needs to say amen. I mean, I'm not Pentecostal, baby, but somebody needs to say amen. Okay, and and, and I'll say amen to that too. Um, So what have we seen today? We've seen that God doesn't think like us. He has a different view of success than we do. How blessed we are that God doesn't think like us, huh? And we've seen what success is, and it's not position, it's not rank, it's not finances, it's not material success, it's not control. We've seen what biblical success is. It's growing in likeness to Jesus Christ. It's overcoming sin. It's learning to be a servant. Part of success is being willing to fail. You're not really a success until you don't care who gets the glory. What you do or accomplish doesn't make you a success with God, but who you are. And we've seen that success begins at home, in your family, and it involves living what you believe. And I pray that we may all be a success, biblically, as Christ defines success. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.